jet or racing Grand Prix cars on the specially built underground track? She simply said, Machines give me headaches. And that was the end of that. First they played cricket, and not even properly, but with a stick for a bat and an old rubbish bin for a wicket. But Jason hardly noticed. He was having so much fun. Grace taught him to play football and to walk balancing along the top of a fence. They skipped stones on the lake and walked on their hands. They played hide-and-seek and pretended to be Robin Hood's merry men. They had fun all afternoon. Quite a lot longer than 45 minutes. For two hours and 28 minutes, Jason checked his Rolex watch. Chapter 2 Jason woke up the next morning glad to be alive. His private staff of 27 eyed him with concern. He wasn't usually this happy. Even before he'd eaten breakfast, he'd sent Roger, his personal manservant, to Grace's house with a note inviting her to come and play. But Roger returned without Grace. He had a note from her that simply read, It's your turn to visit me. There was a gasp from the staff. Jason, leave the mansion grounds? It was unheard of. In his whole life, Jason had only been outside once, so he could be born. He'd stayed home ever since. If I could catch her eye, I'm sure I could convince her to come back here, he said. So Jason ordered his staff to join all his building sets together, and they built a tower 50 metres tall. But it was no good. He couldn't see her, even from the top. He sent up flares and shot arrows into the sky, but Grace didn't call him. Not once. Chapter 3 The following morning, Jason woke up with such a start, he almost gave himself a fright. He'd had an idea. Usually, he had his highly skilled team of mathematicians and philosophers think up his ideas for him. But he'd had this idea completely by himself. I'll go outside and be like everybody else, Jason announced to his staff. A hush fell over the room, and then a servant finally said, But what about the germs? There'll be diseases everywhere you go, another said. And buses and trains. If you don't catch a disease, you could get run over. Or worse, taken hostage. What if it rains and you get wet? Or lost. Lightning could strike. You're far too precious to go out wandering in the world all by yourself. There are people everywhere. And most of them horrible. We insist on coming with you. Here, here, they all agreed. But Jason insisted he would do this great thing alone. He would walk the eight blocks to where Grace lived unassisted, by himself entirely, except for his personal manservant, Roger, of course. Chapter 4 And so, Jason stepped outside his protective walls and placed his feet on the pavement. Well, not his actual feet, his shoes. His private podiatrist had advised him to avoid bare feet in his formative years. But he felt terrific just the same. He was free. Anything could happen. And it did.
Three buses drove past. People tooted horns. A singing postman waved to him. The traffic lights changed. A water pipe sprang a leak. A man dropped his sandwich. Jason had never dreamt it would be so exciting. And that was just on the first block. On the second block, it was even more exciting. For there, in front of them, like a sentry blocking the footpath ahead, its muscles rippling and hair uncombed, stood a wild Australian terrier. Jason had twelve trained Doberman pinches of his own at home, of course, but he had never seen a dog as frightening as this. I'll draw him away, Roger bravely volunteered. When he chases me, run on ahead. They shook hands, and Roger gave Jason his curly blonde toupee to hold in case it blew off his head as he was running. Please don't let it crease, sir, in case I make it back.